0: The scripture for my sermon comes from Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The word of the Lord. (laughs) Well, the greatest story begins with the most unlikely of beginnings. The Son of God was being born into the world as a baby. If you were the author, how would you write this story? A child born in a palace to a royal family? Signs emblazoned in the sky communicating to all that the Son of God has been born? Rather, we see a pregnant teenager trudging through the dust in an obscure town. This isn't just a story, it's history. This is the way God planned it to be. Because the manner in which the Christ came shows what he wanted to achieve. See, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. A little information on this ruler, Caesar Augustus. Augustus wasn't his real name, his name was Octavian. But he changed it to Augustus when he became Caesar. And Augustus means worthy of worship. He was one who liked to be worshipped. He was called Soterios, or Savior, for he had saved the Roman Empire from his enemies and ushered in the Pax Romana, also known as peace on earth. Basically, the cynics communicated that the way he achieved peace was by destroying his enemies, leveling their uh, cities and calling it Peace. He was also known as the Son of God because his father was Julius Caesar who had been deified by the Roman Senate. And so the Son of God, the Savior, Augustus, who is worthy of worship, declared that a census should be taken for the purpose of registering the entire world. The goal was to register everyone so uh, they would know how many citizens they had so they would know how much they could tax people. It was a way for the Roman Empire to say, you are mine. And verse 3 communicates that all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. David, excuse me, Joseph and Mary and over 45 million people were uprooted in order to go to their ancestral hometowns. And Joseph was going to Bethlehem, and Mary and Jesus was with him. As I look at these two figures, Augustus and Jesus, there could not be a greater contrast, could there? Augustus lived in a palace. Jesus lived in a tent. Augustus rode in a royal chariot. Jesus on a donkey. There was no place that Augustus couldn't go where he wouldn't be recognized. And yet Jesus traveled many miles unrecognized by all around him. Augustus traveled with an army, and Jesus only had Mary and Joseph. See, Augustus, though, as much as with his pomp and circumstance, as much as his desire to be called to God was just a man. But Jesus was fully man and fully God. Augustus proclaimed himself a God, but Jesus was simply God. Augustus wanted the worship and praise and glory, but Jesus didn't even seem like he cared. Why is it that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, chose to come in this way? I think it's because he knows what it's like to be ordinary, like you and me, so that he could sympathize with us so he could identify with us. Because Jesus came not for the high and the lofty, but he came for the meek and the lowly. Augustus may have come to rule, but Jesus came to serve and to save. And while Augustus' goal was to tax and take, Jesus' goal was to give his life for his people. Jesus is not a God who cannot relate to you and what you are going through in your life. Because he lived just like you and me. So when you feel like God doesn't care, that God can't relate to you and me, that he's far removed from my circumstances, remember how he came, just like you and me. Well, we have to ask the question, why is Mary and Jesus there in the first place with Joseph as he goes to be registered? See, the woman was not the breadwinner of the family. It was only the men who were required to go to their ancestral hometowns in order to be registered. And this was no easy journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It was about 90 miles of hard travel. And Mary was pregnant, ready to burst at the seams. Furthermore, Mary was betrothed. To Joseph, But they were not married yet. The one-year period had not passed. There was no reason that Mary and Jesus had to go with Joseph. But the sentence gives it away. That Mary and uh, Jesus went to be registered uh, who was with child. You see, you can't really use the words betrothed who was with child. Only married who was with child. But we know the story, don't we? Mary was declared by God to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And Mary was pregnant, and thus uh, she was traveling with Joseph because they lived in an honor-shame culture. See, when it was discovered that Mary was pregnant, there were only two possibilities, that Joseph had gotten her pregnant or that she had been pr- gotten pregnant with someone else out of wedlock. So there's really only one explanation that I can think of why Mary and Jesus are traveling with Joseph. And that's because Mary has been kicked out of her house. Joseph is the only one taking, to take care of her. She has nowhere else to go. And yet it's amazing that God ordained it in this way. That a baby, would, the, baby the son of God, would be born in Bethlehem. As proclaimed by the prophet Micah 700 years before Jesus was born. This child was no ordinary child. It was a child by the Holy Spirit. As the angel Gabriel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The Son of God had chosen to make His throne room the womb of a teenage girl. Think about that for a second. The God who made the trillions of stars and flung them in the sky who built and maintains planet Earth, every single leaf falling to the ground, every single breath from every single organism, living in the womb of a teenage girl named Mary. Why did Jesus choose to come this way under this cloud of shame? I think it's so that he would know our shame, the shame that we feel when we don't measure up to the world's standards. The shame we feel when we know we don't measure up to God's standards. Remember, God's commandment on us when he made us was to love him with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And who does that? Who can stand before God and say, I have kept your commandments. I have been faithful to you. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we experience shame. Jesus grew up hearing the same messages that we hear. You're not good enough. You don't make the cut. You're not worthy. But you see, Jesus came to bring another message. Jesus came to heal our shame. Jesus came to bring the message, your sin is forgiven. You are holy because of me. Your heavenly Father loves you and delights in you. Jesus came this way so none could say, He doesn't understand my shame. He doesn't understand my failure and my faults. You know, one of the things we often feel when we approach God is that we need to put on our best outfit and our best smile. We need to trick Him into liking and accepting us. For who would ever like us if they saw us really for who we are? But Jesus came in this way so that we could receive forgiveness from sin and from shame, so that we could be ourselves and still be accepted by him. Have you received the forgiveness of Christ who has come into the world yet? For that's why he came, to take away your shame and to bring glory and honor in its place. And he is the only one who can do it. You see, Jesus came for ordinary people like you and me, so that we would find him. Well, it was a long, hard journey, and they finally got to Bethlehem, and Mary was ready to give birth. But there was only one problem. There was no place for her. As verse 6 says, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Talked a little bit about the inn in the past. This word in Greek actually, literally translated, means upper room. The odds of there actually having been an inn or a hotel in Bethlehem are small, though it's possible. But even if there was an inn, a hotel, what are the odds that no one would give up space for a pregnant woman to have her child? We do know this, that Jewish custom and Jewish hospitality demanded that everyone uh, uh, leave part of their house, a room or part of a room for guests. And this was Joseph and Mary's ancestral town. Joseph might have been born in Bethlehem. Surely someone would, would make room for Mary to have baby Jesus. But you see, word has traveled ahead as people have been coming for the census that this baby was born out of wedlock and that she's betrothed to Jesus. And so, excuse me, to Joseph. And so they travel with shame. And so the only place that is available is a place with the animals. Jesus knows what it's like to be overlooked. He knows what it's like to be humiliated. He knows what it's like to be passed over and written off. Why did Jesus go through all of these things? Because Jesus wants us to know that he sees us. He went all the way to the bottom so we would know that he cares enough about us to find us. Do you think that Jesus doesn't have any time for you? He does. Do you think that He's not willing to find you? He has. You're here, and He is too. Do you think that He's not willing to get involved in your life, whatever your life is like? He is. See, Christmas is all about Him coming. And the way that he comes shows that he cares. But Christmas isn't just about coming, is it? Christmas is about responding. Christmas Day is tomorrow, and we've been in the Christmas season for a while. How much of the world's message so far has been about Jesus? Not much. Jesus has been relegated to the stable again in our world, right? But there were those who came that night, those who recognized and who worshiped him, Mary and Joseph, humble shepherds, later the wise men. Jesus came for ordinary people like you and me so we would find him and we would respond to him with worship and praise and thanksgiving for he is the one who made us and he is the one who redeems us. So seek the one who sought you out this Christmas. Let your heart become a throne room and receive the true king. Because Jesus came for ordinary people like you and me so that we would find him. And the manner in which he came shows what he wanted to achieve. A living relationship with people just like you and me. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you endured shame. Thank you that you endured being an outsider to demonstrate and to show to us that you know what it's like to live in this world. Thank you that you came to the bottom to find us, to show us that you care intimately and deeply about us. God, I pray uh, that this this night, that all of us would encounter you. That if We do not have a relationship with you that we would enter into one, for you are alive and you are here. The tomb is empty and you are risen and you will come again. So God, meet us wherever we're at, whether on the mountaintop or in the valley. Show us yourself, your beauty, your love, and your forgiveness, that we might find wholeness in you, maybe for the first time. We pray all of these things in Christ's name.